We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? playing that Sean Payton intro until some idiot trades a first-round pick for him. But Johnny, it's not going to be us. Uh, welcome to the Rams. What is oh God, what a week. Uh, welcome to the Budding Heads podcast. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, guys. Proud part of Rams Talk Radio, Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Barrow here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, the last time we spoke... It seemed like a real possibility that Sean McVay was not going to be back as head coach in 2023 and that we would have might have to confront the reality that it could be Sean Payton as our head coach. But our guy is back. Our boy is home. How you feeling? Is there any relief that Sean McVay has returned for a seventh season, I think, with the team? I think it, I think it's obviously a relief to get Sean McVay back, and it's also a relief that uh, Steve didn't put in his two week notice with us because <laughs> Thank he was God, man. he was mentally preparing himself for if Sean Payton got hired by the Rams. Uh, I mean, not even hired, traded. I I, so. I genuinely genuinely don't know how how, how I would have dealt with that. I I couldn't I can't do it and. Like Brandon Staley's in the hot seat, so if McVay leaves next year and the Chargers do this again and get rid of Brandon Staley, that's a better job for Peyton. So go take it, buddy. I I, I honestly do not want Brandon Staley as the head coach. Uh, uh, no, no, I mean, uh, yes, yeah, I, he. If it doesn't work out for him next year, he's not. His next job is not going to be an NFL head coach. Do you nope. think that anyone hires Peyton like this year, given that they're going to have to trade a pick? I I mean, if, if the rumors are true that the Saints are seeking a first-round pick for him, I would doubt it. 
But then again, there are teams kind of desperate. Like, it wouldn't shock me entirely if you got a team like the Broncos just hoping and praying that they could reemerge with Sean Payton. But, man, I, I can't see investing a first-round pick for the guy. I really can't. No, I, like, I feel like out of all the openings, I think Denver and maybe Arizona, you could talk yourself into that being an okay decision if you're there. It's a bad decision. But, like, those are two teams with quarterbacks that they are, they are tied to that aren't going anywhere. And um, the other team, like the, the Colts, the, the Panthers, the Texans, would be fucking insane. It would be absolutely insane for them to do that. No kidding, man. That's it's crazy. It's and the crazy Broncos to think about, but uh, yeah, and the Broncos have no picks, so I I think uh, that's another thing. Yeah, I think like realistically, if I were the only like I putting my Sean Payton bias aside, if I were the GMs of this team, I think Arizona is the only real situation you could talk yourself into that being a good decision, just because you have a young franchise quarterback who needs this like who needs what you would theoretically get from Sean Payton and Russell Wilson needs it too but you don't have any picks like getting rid of another one is just crazy for for a fucking coach I think it's crazy for Arizona too but that's the only one where I could kind of understand the logic of doing this I just I I think for Denver they they just have a situation on themselves where they have to figure out how they're going to move past Russell Wilson, which is going to be tough considering the contract he has. Well, you can't you can't move from him. You have to. He's your quarterback next year. But is it worth you know doubling down on Russell Wilson to the point where you give up another pick to get a coach? to try and salvage it. Like, I absolutely not to me. <laughs> even, uh, even, if, even if the coach was Sean McVay, like, it's still absolutely not for me in that situation. Though, still be- a much better uh, coach to go at. But you know what, Johnny? Sean McVay still our coach. We haven't talked since that happened. We're about to talk about the news that broke out today that – they're moving on from five additional coaches on top of Liam Cohen, who already left. But so McVay's back. I think just because he's back, it doesn't mean any of these reports weren't real. I think it was all pretty clearly real. He had a real decision that he had to make. But he's back, and I don't know. I like this. There's not really any storylines besides like what we're about to talk about. Who they're going to hire the coordinator? Like he's back. All the crazy storylines we could have talked about would have been if he left. Yeah, I I don't think anyone's losing sleep over it. Do you think, hypothetically, sorry, I put my water down. If they go five and twelve again next year, is there a world where the Rams would ever fire him? Like, I I think if they go five and twelve again next year, he'd probably just quit. But I I don't see them firing him if that happens again. I don't think you really can. I mean. Yeah, what's what's the other option is like kind of the thing. Yeah, I mean this you're talking about a head coach that took your franchise 
to to the Super Bowl twice in a seven year span. Uh, and keep in mind, he didn't exactly inherit, you know, the best team in the world either. It wasn't, you know, there've been worse Rams teams for sure, but still, it wasn't. It wasn't like he was granted the keys to like a like a Lamborghini or something like that. You know, he had uh, he had himself like a Toyota Corolla, you know, in a way, you know, something serviceable but not exactly elite by any means. And he, you know, took him a couple years, and and you know, sure enough, he took him to the Super Bowl. And then while he didn't win it, he took him back a couple years later, only to win it. So you don't fire coaches like that. And it's kind of why, like, and I know I'm gonna, <laughs> I know I'm gonna, um, you know, get under a few uh, Dodger fan skins with this one, but I don't care. Um, it's kind of like the argument with the Los Angeles Dodgers and firing uh, Dave Roberts. Every year that seems to come up, fire Dave Roberts. This is only, you know, a manager that has taken the Dodgers to the World Series a couple of times and won one, not to mention, you know, being in the playoffs consistently. Um, but they want him fired every single year. And I'm like, okay. All right, let's let's discuss that. Let's fire Dave Roberts. Who do you replace him with? There isn't anyone better, and you're not going to find anyone better than a World Series coach, you know. And I don't know, like that. That's kind of how I correlate uh, Sean McVay. Come at me, bro. I know I'm going to get a lot of uh, Dodger fans that are pissed off, but it's true. No, and I agree. Like you know, when it's time to move on from these situations with like a coach who's clearly a great coach, like Andy Reid in Philly. It was when he left Philly, it was, it was time to move on. It, it was while you're probably, you might not be upgrading from him with your next coach. Although they've had a, just a fucking absurd luck with coaches in Philly. Um, it's, it, it's run its course and both sides are going to be better for it. If you move on, we are like years away. From that happening with McVay, if this ha- if this happens again next year, you blow up the team before you get rid of the coach. I, I think, or if he leaves, then then you figure it out. Which I think, if they go five and twelve again next year, he's probably going yeah. on his own accords. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. Let's talk about what has happened since he came back. Uh, they picked up Matthew Stafford's option, so he's on the books for a hefty pr- amount of money over the next two years. I don't think there's anything we need to hit on there today. That is something we are certainly will walk back on in our long off season here. Um, I, I am sorry. I'm very tired. Uh, Rams moved on from five assistant coaches today. And if you recall last week or two weeks ago, or whenever it was, Liam Cohen left the offensive coordinator, went back to Kentucky. Today they announced that five coaches aren't coming back Offensive line coach Kevin Carberry, I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, special teams coordinator Joe DeCamillis, DB's coach Jonathan Cooley, assistant defensive line coach Skylar Jones, defensive assistant Lance Schulters. Johnny, it's it's not a surprise to see them kind of tearing apart this coaching staff and building it back up from the ground up given how much of a disaster this last season was 
Still pretty surprising to see this happen, though. With a, When you announce your coach is coming back, the next thing that happens is they announce five coaches are not coming back. It, it's interesting for sure because I feel like, at least with Joe DiCamillis, this was a guy that um, had a mixture of success here. Uh, but to tell you the truth, you know, Joe DiCamillis had, you know, overcome a little bit of adversity considering that the special teams has had quite a few different uh, changes uh, to the personnel, which was not something common for the Rams because they were kind of uh, spoiled with, you know, the likes of Greg DeLeg when he was productive. And then Johnny Hecker, you know, during the prime of his, his career. Um, and then, you know, kind of the carousel of return specialists. And he kind of stabilized that a little bit, especially this season. You know, I, I don't know if you can kind of give him the credit for, you know, getting guys like Matt Gay or, um, you know, the discovery of <laughs> the savior, <laughs> Brandon Powell. Amen. Uh, but still, you know, you got, I think you got to give him a little bit of credit for that. So this kind of thing surprises me a little bit. The rest of them, reasons, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Cart, I cannot pronounce his name. Steve, how do you pronounce his name? Car- Carberry, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that struggles with that. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult to pronounce, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I can't pronounce it. But anyway... Moving on, uh, I can uh, kind of understand the offensive line coach here, uh, primarily because there wasn't as smooth of a transition for some of these offensive linemen. Uh, You could tell that, you know, for the very little time that this offensive line was healthy, it wasn't exactly cohesive. And while you can't blame it all, on the offensive line coach, he, he's got to bear some of the responsibility, I feel. You got to have your guys ready to play in case players get injured, and for the most part, his guys were not ready to play. Nope. And, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that injuries kind of derailed this for him, but, yeah, after the performance we had this year, you can't really blame that decision whatsoever. The other ones, yeah, I'm I'm with you on DeCamillis just because, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's one of the best special teams coordinators in the league. I don't know who the best special teams coordinators are. I can tell you who some of the worst are, and it was the guy that came before Joe DeCamillis, whose name I can't remember and refuse to look up. Um, Like, we've seen what it looks like when this is bad that I – it's just – it's a little terrifying – to think about what's next you know hopefully it's just either an upgrade or more of the same I would anticipate that but yeah like we've we've seen the worst of what can come out of a special teams unit and it's not something I ever want to see again like yeah we were spoiled with kickers but we went through the Sam Sloman uh era we went through the the Cooper Cup punt return era I don't remember was it was it JoJo Nats? Was there somebody in between JoJo Nats and a Cooper Cup there that I that I'm forgetting? I guess it was two two to an extent. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to think about it. Um, Farrell um, Cooper, I guess. Well, he was a he was good, and then he wasn't. You know, yeah. like 
Yeah, that that was a weird one. Um, yeah, JoJo Natson. I don't know. The I'm a little surprised by the kind of exodus of the defensive coaches, only because it there's a pretty good chance Raheem Morris is back next year, and like we're just firing his. Like, I wonder if he was involved in that decision to relieve three of his assistants. It, it is tough to to kind of figure out if, if that was a Sean McVay decision or a Raheem Morris decision. But I, I'd have to say that it's probably a Sean McVay decision because right now Raheem Morris is just kind of concentrating on, um, you know, interviews. So I don't really know if if uh Raheem Morris is making that kind of call right now because if, if if I'm sure if he has it his way you know he he's not coming back next year but yeah, yeah. but like if he is, is is this weird like is he even gonna I, I'm almost sitting here like I I don't think it's a hundred percent thing that he comes back next year if he doesn't get a job you know I think it's likely but this is this just strikes me as a little bizarre. It 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 is weird. It really is, and it it partially makes me think that Morris may not be back. Um, it, it it's kind of weird, but uh, there are there are some some interviews that he's taken. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see, but. Uh, Steve, I, I have to just to kind of irritate you a little bit. The special teams coordinator after DeCamilla or before DeCamillus rather, it was John Bonamigo. Yeah. Yeah. God. What a what a fucking disaster. <laughs> I I had to throw that in there. Just had to. Um yeah, God. It, it, well, Morris, yeah, you I think he's only interviewed with Indianapolis and Denver. I'd be kind of surprised if he went to Denver. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he went to Indy. It seems like nope. the interview went great, and that does seem like a, a good fit for him. But, yeah, I, it's so weird that, like, the timing of that is just so bizarre. It's like... It, it, it may be a, a sign, you know, maybe... Uh, but that... That's going to be an interesting thing uh, to see if who the Rams would re- potentially replace him with. I was kind of hoping Brandon Staley would be fired, but I don't think that's happening. Well, if Vic Fangio's out there and Ryan Morris gets a job, I think that's high probability. Just because, yeah, like, idea. yeah, I know he's been tied to Sean Payton. If Sean Payton goes somewhere, you're going to tell me you wouldn't want to come coach Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey if you're a defensive coordinator. I mean, that's that's the that's the gig. Like, that's I, I the think it would want. be a great fit here too. Yeah, so I they'll get somebody good. I think if if uh, Morris goes, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I none of these coaching positions have been filled. I mean, I know it's only been like a little over a week since the season ended. But kind of surprised none of them have been filled. 
teams are taking their time. Um, <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shall we get into the 2022 Rams Awards? We got it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay, we're going to give out some awards to players and events for the Rams this season. We'll start with the good MVP offense and defense. Johnny, you going to get cute with this one, or are we just going with the the best players on the team here? <laughs> I I kind of wanted to, but I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll take this seriously. Uh, I'll I'll take it seriously. So, for offense, I think the obvious choice here is Cooper Cup. Yep, agreed. He had uh, had the steps up. Seventy five catches for eight hundred twelve yards, six touchdowns in uh, nine games. So. He was about on pace for 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns, which, listen, in 150 catches-ish, probably went a little bit down. It would be a 17-game pace, not an 18. But, you know, an obvious – obviously, he wasn't going to do what he did last year, but if he didn't get hurt, he would not have been that far off from what he did last year, depending on how the quarterback play was for the rest of the season. Um, to put it in perspective, he played in nine games this year, had eight, 75 catches for 812 yards and six touchdowns. In 2020, this is 2020, he played in 15 games, had 92 catches for 974 yards and three touchdowns. So it's just clear this guy is still an absolute fucking monster. Uh, hopefully the injury doesn't hold him back at all, and he's just Cooper Cup again next season. Yeah, that's... That's the hope. But, uh, you know, one thing we can say about Cup is uh, for the amount of time that he's been injured since being a Ram, he's always bounced back and somehow has gotten better. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know how that's possible, but hopefully that's the case here. And and can it be possible for Cup to be better? That's That's incredible if that's the case. I think it'll be hard to top. 2021 ever because I mean that was the best NFL season by a wide receiver ever you know which is just bananas to say about fucking Cooper Cup uh considering where he was before that season but yeah man I, I have no doubt that he will be back um and defense yeah Aaron Donald again this was the worst season of his career and I think it was still 
he was still by far the best player in that unit. No question. It, I mean, it, we we should change the uh, MVP of the defense award to just the Aaron Donald award because it's it's probably going to be Aaron Donald until he retires. <laughs> this will be the most likely, assuming they don't they vote well. It'll be the first year since twenty since his rookie season that he won't be in the top five for defensive player of the year voting. Uh, and it'll likely be the first time since his rookie year that he's not an all pro, although you never know. Uh, but he did make the pro bowl. So he's made the pro bowl every year in his career. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it might've been a, a, a generous pro bowl selection, but whatever. He fucking earned it. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> he's done enough most improved Johnny I want to hear your most improved and I'll give you mine Oof. it's really difficult to come up with a name with this unit especially since half the roster was injured interesting I didn't think this one was difficult at all really yeah who do you got so I kind of tossed back and forth on this one and I ended up going with Ben Skoranek. Yeah, that was, that was my answer too. Okay. Um, just because Ben and some of you might be scratching your heads because you know, you, you only see Ben Skoranek as a two year guy. If you scratch, if you're scratching your head, you have, you weren't listening to the podcast in Ben Skoranek's <laughs> rookie season. I think. yeah exactly because you know this was a guy that steve and i were constantly critical of um all all of last year when he was actually in playing in the games and especially considering that he was more of a liability especially in the playoffs um that you know it was to the point where we were wondering if he was going to be cut and it turns out that he found a role. Sean McVay somehow found a role for him on this offense. And while he wasn't, you know, an elite player by any means, he was very useful at times this season. And hopefully he can continue to develop and, you know, be, you know, part of this team in an in, in indirect way. Uh, kudos to Sean McVay for that also. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, if you're a new listener, First of all, thank you for listening. And second of all, um, I didn't think this guy belonged in the NFL last year. I thought it was like a joke that he was on the team, let alone starting in the playoffs. Um, like when he dropped that catch against, I think it was, was it the San Francisco game or one of the games? I was like, of course he dropped the fucking catch. He's terrible. Um, Flash forward to this season against the Raiders when he looks like Randy fucking Moss jumping <laughs> over people to catch the ball to help us win the game. Like, and and on top of that, like how they how do they utilize him at fullback? Uh, I wrote in my notes he's part two parts Mike Allstott, two parts Randy Moss. Um, just just a guy who's become a Swiss Army knife and is clearly a a player on the team. I think. You know, the best thing for the Rams is for this guy to be like the wide receiver three or wide receiver four. That's more of a package player who they they use in different ways, which we saw a little bit this year. And that's going to 
mean they have to fix some other parts of the depth chart because right now he's the second or third guy, depending on who's out there. But, yeah, man, I mean, this was an easy one for me. It's really maybe the only player on the team that I feel like improved in a very substantial way. Without a question. And I'm curious, though, Steve, uh, did you have any, like, honorable mentions there? I I don't think so, just because it was so obvious to me. I I will give Tutu Atwell a shout for improving, but, you know, he still has a long ways to go in terms of being a consistent player. Um, I mean, Alaric Jackson, but we didn't really see him play last year, right? He's not a rookie, is he? Uh, yeah, we didn't really see much of him last year. Yeah. Um, nobody really on defense. I don't think would even come close to, to getting this. I feel like almost everybody regressed. Not like Ernest Jones. I think he's like, he's still Ernest Jones, but nobody yeah. like improved really at all thinking about it. About the only other player that I could think of was Cam Akers. And I know, I know before I say this, I realized that at the start of the year, he was utter trash to the point where he didn't even want to play on this team anymore. But you know what? Hat, hats off to him because this is a guy that, you know, for as terrible as a start as he had and, it, you know, the mixed bags of feelings that he had towards the middle of the season, he still came back. He bounced back and actually became a very productive running back. Um, and he looked like, uh, to the point of the Cam Akers that we were hoping to get since the Rams drafted him. So, uh, again, I don't know if you can give that to Cam Akers over Ben Skoranek because of how much he truly improved, but I feel like he's an honorable mention. I think the issue with giving Cam Akers this award, and I have him for a different award on here, is he he didn't really improve like as a player like from I guess from last year to this year I guess he did but he improved from like week five to week 16 so it's 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 weird like but I agree I mean I have his numbers here uh before he left the team I think it was five or six games he had 51 attempts for 151 yards and one touchdown averaged 2.9 yards a carry after he came back so this was 10 games 137 attempts for 635 yards, six touchdowns, average 4.64 yards per carry. He basically doubled the pace he was at from the beginning of the year. And if you look at the last three games, he had 63 carries for 345 yards and three touchdowns on 5.5 yards per rush. So the bulk of those numbers from the last game games came in the last three. I had him uh, for a different award that we'll get to later, but... Yeah, the improvement is crazy, and the fact that we are talking about Cam Akers as the clear starting running back that they might not even need to replace, uh, considering where he was in, like, week eight, is fucking wild. It's absolutely insane. Well, you know we are an inherently negative podcast, so we're going to do least improved. Uh, Johnny, I will start. I am giving this award to two players. It's going to be John Wolford and Bryce Perkins together. Uh, these players collectively have been on the rosters for four years for John Wolford and three years for Bryce Perkins. 
They have been holding up roster spots on the team as our backup quarterbacks, and they looked like they haven't improved a lick since they joined the team. Uh, Wolford, in his two starts, I technically he has a win if you look up his stats. It's because he started the Baker Mayfield debut, uh, but he went 38-62 to 62 for 390 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and he lost a fumble. Perkins in his really it's over one start, 19 to 34 for 161 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. He appeared in five games. It was a real bummer to see these guys have not improved at all. And it kind of makes you question why they've been holding on to three quarterbacks for the last three seasons. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Steve. Uh, I mean, it, it it was utterly disappointing to see these two guys that, you know, obviously we had high hopes for these guys because like you said, the Rams have held on to them for years, holding roster spots for them for years, only for them to just basically choke when it, their opportunity was given to them. Now, nobody was expecting them to be, you know, an all pro quarterback out there or anything, but at least, you know, keep the Rams in games and, you know, before somebody says, well, you know, the Rams offense was kind of torn apart. Yes, that's true. But then we got Baker Mayfield, who basically made them look like chumps. And, right. and yeah, so Baker, you know, wasn't exactly killing it out there on, you know, several different teams. So I can't even excuse that, you know, because Baker was looking on the outside in. And Baker, obviously, not perfect this year, but the moment he started throwing passes on the field, I'm like, been here for a day. You're like, oh, okay, so these guys are just bad. Yeah. Like, this offense is clearly not good, but you can do things. You still have Sean McVay. So, yeah, that's tough. Who'd you have for least improved? Least improved? I For me, this was a no brainer. It's Jordan Fuller, uh, the safe, uh, the Rams yeah. safety. If you, if you forgot who Jordan Fuller was, I wouldn't blame you because this is a guy that got benched in favor of Taylor Rapp and Nick Scott. Now, while I'll give you Nick Scott has overachieved throughout his career, but Taylor Rapp got the start over Jordan Fuller, that's beyond disappointing. You know, this was a, a guy that, you know, performed – beyond expectations his rookie season and even you know despite the injuries and everything he was still performing at a high level and now he's just benched you know and, and yeah he did get injured uh during the season also but man you would think that this was a guy that was gonna finally keep taylor rap on the bench but he wasn't and it, it's just disappointing uh that this guy has basically fallen from grace and yeah the easily the least improved player on the team by far he was wearing the green dot in 2021 right like to start the season yes yes he was so yeah it's it's tough because he did get injured and he's probably a little banged up coming into the year but yeah to lose your job to taylor rap who we watched all season and is not good and a guy that you displaced your rookie year 
Like, I, it's it. That's fucking crazy. Are, are you optimistic that he will bounce back next year? I think I'm still a little optimistic that he'll be fine. You know, because we're we're losing potentially both Rap and Scott. He's probably just going to be thrust back in as a starter. I don't see them replacing two guys uh, with new players. I I I hope that he can. You know, I'm hoping that part of his issues and his fall from grace was that, you know, injuries just kind of kept him out of starting. But I don't think so. I I just don't think he really, you know, took back his starting job. And that's been the biggest issue. So uh, I'm hoping that he can bounce back somehow. But we'll see. He's still very young. I think we forget that you know, he's a very young guy and he, he still has some learning to do. So hopefully that can, you know, improve and maybe he'll be our next year, most improved player of the year. Hopefully. That would be great if he was, but yeah, we'll see. It, it's just a tough look for him. Uh, it was really bizarre. It's, it's, and it's funny. Like there were so many bizarre things that happened this year. I fucking forgot that happened. Like, I, I totally forgot that it wasn't just an injury write-off this year, that, like, he was, was benched. I, I mean, who could blame you? We didn't really see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of surprises, biggest surprise, I had Cam Akers here, Johnny. Um, we kind of already talked about it, but I don't know which part was more surprising, that he opened the season looking like he couldn't play in NFL Europe, or that he closed the season looking like one of the best running backs in the NFL. It's all just so fucking crazy, but uh, I definitely do not think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. Please don't quote me on that, but just a wild roller coaster. And I think the reason he gets surprised is to play like he did after leaving the team because he was mad about how he was being used. And the way he was being used was that, they were playing him too much and he was not delivering. It's it's, it's just crazy. What a, what a year. No question, man. I, I mean, <laughs> if they, if Cam Akers bounces back and becomes one of the best running backs in the NFL, they have to make a documentary on, on Cam Akers solely on this year alone <laughs> for having such high or such lows and highs that you, you almost, I mean, this is almost like a Hollywood drama, you know? And, and what better way in, than, you know, with the Los Angeles Rams? But, you know, it, it's it's so crazy just seeing his uh, his ups and downs this year. I And I hope that he turns out to be a, a really good running back for us next year. Uh, but I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that um, – I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's going to be, you know, a, a, a really good running back or anything like that. A productive back, we hope. I'm confident to say that he will get a lot of carries in the NFL next year, whether it's here or somewhere else, which is I did not expect to say. Did you have somebody different here for this award? I did. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that um, Cam Akers is definitely a good player to have here. But I ended up picking Alaric Jackson uh, because Alaric Jackson was a guy that, while 
I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a, a, a offensive lineman that's going to be, you know, an elite player at some point. But I can't not say that either, you know. Uh, Alaric Jackson, I had high hopes for uh, because he he was someone that I felt like stepped up quite a bit for the Rams when uh, uh, we had all those uh, uh, the COVID locker room uh, era during uh, the Rams Super Bowl run. He was one of the guys that stepped up. And while he wasn't perfect, um, it was a sign that, you know, maybe the Rams have something there, at least a, a competent backup which he kind of proved that this season. He was, you know, when he was healthy, he was easily the Rams' best offensive lineman. And this was our backup. Says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to sit here and say that, like, he he probably should be a starter next year. That's definitely a surprise to me. No question. No question. And... And uh, I, I think that's definitely the type of player you want to see, a, a guy that emerges. Um, I, I think he's too good to be on the bench. And, and I, I hope that, you know, the Rams could find a spot for him uh, to be a starter, uh, especially at guard, because guard, we need a lot of help at. So, um, yeah, major kudos to Alaric Jackson. I, I hope to continue to see him uh, progress. He was when you look up his Wikipedia. It's I, I had to do double take because it said drafted in the second round, uh, which is because he was drafted in the second round of the CFL draft, which <laughs> is basically them saying we do not think you're going to be an NFL player. And look at him now. No, I mean it, it is actually a really good story when you think about it because. For well, let's take uh, uh, AJ Curie, uh, our Rams rookie offensive tackle this year. Uh, this is a guy that was drafted in the seventh round. Typically, when you see these types of guys drafted, you you don't think much of them. In some, in many cases, these are guys that are going to get cut the their same rookie year. Now, consider Alaric Jackson went undrafted. And somehow he makes a name for himself by getting by signing as an undrafted free agent. And then he makes the roster, which is impressive in and of itself. And now you're talking in the same breath as this guy potentially being your starter next year. That is a hell of a find. That is a diamond in the rough right there. Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, a much-needed win for a season full of losses on the offensive line. No kidding, man. No kidding. So I added an award um, from the ones I texted you, Johnny, for biggest disappointment. And let me run through my thought process on this. So you you might even have a player immediately come to your mind. For me, I was trying to sit here because there was a lot of disappointments, and I was like, who, who would it be? Like, who's who's the biggest? And I honestly wrote a whole... I wrote a couple notes on why I was going to pick Matthew Stafford for this award. And, like, I know it's tough. Like, the offensive line was bad. But he was on pace for 20 touchdowns and 18 interceptions before he got hurt, which is horrible. And then, Johnny, 
I remembered that Allen Robinson was on the roster <laughs> because I just like forgot he was on the fucking team. And it's such a runaway, unanimous award for biggest disappointment that I was like sat there for a minute in disbelief that I actually wrote up a write-up for another player to win this award because it's it's not even astronomically close who deserves this award this year. You know, I was I was about to to call you out right there saying, really, Steve Matthew Stafford, and then especially when when Allen Robinson is right there. But then you, but then you mentioned Allen Robinson, and I'm like, yes, hands down. If you're a Rams fan, you know that the Rams have basically one free agent signing every year, one major free agent signing. And in twenty in the 2022 offseason, the major signing was Allen Robinson. You know, this was the guy that was gonna replace Robert Woods and potentially, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. as well. And boy, man, he he's one of the most forgettable receivers out there. You know, he it's it's disappointing because you know his potential. You know that this guy has the potential to change games. And yet it's like Matthew Stafford forgot that he was out there himself. And he just threw it to Cooper Cup like 50 times a game. That can't happen. You know, as talented as Cooper Cup is, you can't throw it to him every single time you throw the football. But it's because Allen Robinson can't separate. He, he's constantly being covered. And it's even gotten to the point where if you look back on the tape, this guy isn't even exactly being double covered either. You know? I and doubt he it, was double covered a single time. Yeah, you didn't need to. So that's why it, it's it's disappointing because now you have to talk about bringing in a third wide receiver. And while, yeah, every team would love to have three really talented wide receivers on their offense, but why? You know, the Rams did it for so long with just Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And, you know, there was there were other guys in there, too. Like, I guess you can uh, talk about Brandon Cooks for a bit. You know, he wasn't really that explosive with the Rams, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, there was... Brandon Cooks was really good and then got injured and then was bad in a year where lots of players were bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, so when we signed Al Robinson, you look at his his seasons. He um, had back-to-back years at the Bears 20, 2019 and 2020 where he had 150 targets, um, had at least 98 receptions in both of those years, 1,150 yards in 2019, 1,250 in 2020, seven touchdowns that year, six touchdowns. Then he followed it up with a really poor 2021 on a really checked-out team with bad quarterback play. He was on pace if he played 17 games that season. He was on pace for 581 yards on 54 catches and a touchdown. Johnny, would you believe me if I told you that Allen Robinson's 17-game pace this season, he would have finished with less yards than he did with the Bears in 2021? That 
I don't want to believe you. It's unbelievable. He didn't even really deal with the bad quarterbacks. Um, he, he would have had more, more. He had more touchdowns this year than he did last year. But like, God, he he finished the year with thirty three catches for three hundred thirty nine yards and three touchdowns on fifty two targets in ten games. For a seventeen game pace, that would have been fifty six catches for five hundred seventy six yards and five touchdowns. Just. What a colossal waste of money and like hindsight is 2020 sure, but these are the type of signings that need to work out Yep. because you can't really sit here and justify spending this much money on your wide receiver too when it just doesn't work out. I would have rather just paid Odell $8 million to not play. <laughs> I think it would have been a better use of our money. We would have at least no gotten question. to develop other players. <laughs> I mean, I would have rather kept Robert Woods. Yeah. You know, he not that exactly he had a great year either, but either. yeah, if we're going to have somebody just suck ass on the field, let it be Robert Woods. I mean, he, he, Robert Woods was, you know, a guy that we voted for one of the most uh, underappreciated, you know, players and, you know, now it's like, can we please have him back? What do you think, if I told you these things, these two things, when we signed down Robinson and Trader Robert Woods, which one would have surprised you more? That there's a realistic chance that the Rams could re-sign Robert Woods for like $4 million, or that Allen Robinson is arguably the worst contract in the NFL? Probably the Robert Woods one. They're both insane. They're both insane. And the fact that, like, I don't think Odell's fully out of play. Because he didn't sign with anyone. Because he said, I think it's stupid to play in the regular season. What a... God, what a weird revolving door. Uh, Odell has his own kind of issues right now. But uh, um, I wouldn't mind him if we get a fully healthy Odell. That's not in any legal trouble. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe the most depressing award on the list this year, even more depressing than biggest disappointment, Rookie of the Year. Oh, boy. Uh, who who do you have here? I think there's really only one player you can have here, and that's Kobe Durant. You and know? not, like, <laughs> in a bad Rookie of the Year winner. Like, yeah, I agree. He's mine, too, because, like, nobody else did anything. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, your top pick was injured before the season even began. Uh, so there's that. And then basically everyone else was just not that good. Um, I will say that Kobe Durant didn't have the greatest of years, but, um, you know, towards the end of the year, he started looking like a stud and that is something to look forward to because we may have to rely on him a lot next year because again, cap space, you know, you know, some contracts expiring. And um, I, I will say of the bunch that Kobe Durant does look like a player that could contribute, but I don't know, man, we'll see. Yeah. It's, they got to figure out how to fucking draft, man. It's uh, it's been <laughs> rough going, but yeah, I, I think he will be a player. But we'll see. 
I think I said Robert Rochelle was going to be a player last year, and then he is not a player. Uh, that's, I, yeah, yeah, that's been another disappointment. If it makes anyone feel better, ESPN ranked us as the second. Um, I'm not trying to find the right word here. The second least productive rookie class of 2022 behind the Panthers who had the sixth pick. So, you know, if that's any consolation. That does make me slightly feel better. <laughs> slightly. But, yeah. Yeah. They only had six picks total, and one of them was a quarterback who got injured. <laughs> uh, mo- most fun to watch. I... I struggle to find another answer. Maybe it's a recency bias, but gotta be Baker Mayfield for me. Interesting. Uh, I I mean, you could definitely make that argument. I mean, just that game alone against the Raiders. Um, it just it's it, it just made the season immensely more interesting to have Baker Mayfield playing quarterback versus what we watched for the couple of weeks before he got here. I didn't really enjoy anything on this team really this year. I would say there's an easy case to make for Cooper cup here um, because he's great. You know, our guy, (laughs) we love Brandon Powell, but (laughs) that'd be a real Homer pick. I don't know. Who'd you have? So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys you can really put here because, um, you know there wasn't a lot to be excited about, but there there were still some some uh, decent players to watch here. But uh, for me, it was easily Bobby Wagner. Uh, oh, that's a good answer. That's a good you answer. Know, I I freaking loved watching this guy because you know while we we didn't get Bobby Wagner in the prime of his career, this guy doesn't show signs of aging whatsoever. Like he he still plays at a high level. And certainly the best inside linebacker we've had since what London Fletcher, uh, <laughs> it like it's insanity. Like just how talented this guy is compared to the rest of the inside linebackers we've had in recent memory. So, you know, um, I I'm looking forward to seeing like the rest of his contract play out because Bobby Wagner turned out to be a hell of a signing and easily one of the only bright point. Uh, bright spots that the Rams have had in 2022. Yeah, that's a great answer. I can get behind that. Uh, he was a delight. It's going to be bizarre, like, thinking about how, we, how long it's been since we had a good inside linebacker. Um, I mean, we have Ernest Jones, too. But it's going to be so bizarre if we ever have a Pro Bowl tight end. <laughs> it's just going to be so weird to, like, have the Rams having one of the best tight ends in the league. Never in my lifetime have we even come close to having that. The closest would be Tyler Higby. It literally, literally. I mean, we had his one little run, but I guess, like, tight end is so bad that he might be in the top half of tight ends. But that's not a good a good thing. I mean, he already surpassed, I think, what what, what was it, the most, most yards out think, of any Rams tight end? I think it's receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Oh, the, that says it all right there. Can... I mean, take nothing away from from Tyler Higby. This is a guy that has certainly surpassed my expectations since the Rams drafted him. But at the same time, you know, this isn't a guy that screams elite tight end by any means. 
And for him to basically be your franchise best tight end says a lot about your success at tight ends. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's wild. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> this is the last player award we have. Uh, this is the Jared Cook Award. We give this out to a player who has excelled in things like making a scream at our TV, wonder why this guy is on the roster, and hope to never watch them play again. There's, I, there's only one answer here to me, Johnny. I, I, who did you have? Bobby Evans. Yeah. I, this is another one. Like, I, I was trying to think who to put. I was thinking about, like, Taylor Rapp, and then I remembered Bobby Evans, and I was like, poor guy. He's so clearly the answer. It's not even close. I mean, consider this, guys. I, I mean, this is not really an award we should probably have, but, you know, for, for the sake of the shits and giggles, why not? Um, but, I mean, really, you have to you have to keep in mind with Bobby Evans here. Uh, this was a guy that, at one point, we were considering being our starting guard, that didn't pan out, thankfully, because, yeah, I can't imagine the Rams win the Super Bowl at all with Bobby Evans as our starting guard. Um, and then, so, okay, it, it doesn't work out that he's our starter. It happens, you know. Uh, maybe this guy can be quality depth. No, no, he is not. And the reason why you can even be more critical here is because, again, this is his opportunity to, you know, at least compete for playing time at some point, you know, once our offensive linemen get healthy. And the the Rams' offense, you know, the offensive coaches decided that they would much rather start street-free agents, guys that weren't even part of the team when the seat, the off season began, they'd rather start those guys over a guy that you drafted and has been on the team for several years. That says everything you need to know about Bobby Evans and the little playing time that he's played. Holy shit! Like, was he actually blocking? <laughs> Seriously, it, if you look at any of the the plays that Bobby Evans was was in, it, it was pitiful. Like, I felt bad for any quarterback that had to be protected, in air quotes, by Bobby Evans. In I, I just looked this up because I wanted to see how hard I would go here. In the NFL, you have to play three seasons to be eligible for pension. And Bobby Evans achieved that after the 2021 season. So there's truly no reason for him to have been on the roster this year nope. uh, because he has been on the team long enough that, you know, if, he, if this is it, he's going to get his pension. He watched him play in the preseason. No justification for this guy making the roster, nope. but he made the roster and then he was playing. And then, like you said, they were just picking up guys and playing them ahead of him. And at that point, it's like, why is he still on the fucking team? It is bad for all of you if you don't think of this guy highly enough that you're just going to play guys that you picked up over him. But then they get injured, and then you have to put this fucking guy back in the game. And then only in week 18 
do you finally decide, you know what, we're going to cut you? Because of the season's over in a week, and we finally decided that this is it. Like, at least when we had to play Jamil Demby that game, they cut him like two weeks after. But this guy was on the team all year, and he was just so bad. And it is one of maybe the craziest thing that's happened to the Rams since Sean McVay has been here is that one game where Air, where Bobby Evans had to start at tackle against Khalil Mack at the top of his game, and he didn't allow a sack. That is just the most hindsight. That's the fucking craziest thing that I've ever watched is this guy in his debut game played that well, only to be an absolute turnstile and liability in basically every season since. Uh, the Rams have made a lot of bad third-round picks over the years. This might be the worst one. It's hard to believe that when you put in perspective of that of that draft class, you had David Edwards, who was drafted much later than him, and he has been much better as as a as a player over Bobby Evans, who was drafted significantly higher. Just unreal, unreal. Yeah, and I mean, we saw that with um, the Jordan Fuller Terrell Burgess draft too. Uh, Terrell Burgess, a guy who also could have been up for a few of these bad awards here. Yeah, that's another guy. Both of these guys should have been cut at the end of the preseason, and it everyone was worse for it by that not happening. Yep. Both Bobby Evans was, Terrell Burgess was, the team was. Uh, it didn't benefit anybody. <laughs> okay, we have... <laughs> We have two team awards left. We have best win and we have worst loss. Uh, I feel like we should start with worst loss so we can end on a positive note. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Another award I didn't think was close. It was week nine against Tampa Bay. The implications coming out of that game were so wild. And to have gotten a goal line stance against Tom Brady, you shut him down. To watch Cooper Cup slide inbounds instead of running for a first down because you're the most cowardly fucking football team in the NFL. And then to let Tampa Bay get the ball back and score a touchdown because of course they're gonna, you give Tom Brady nine chances to win the game. He's probably going to win it eventually. This game ended our season. Not not that we would have gone anywhere anyways, but this game simultaneously ended our season and gave Tampa Bay new life. Um, that got them to the playoffs, a team that had no business being in the playoffs. And had they lost this game, everything would have changed, I think, for that team. Um, I mean, they might have limped in because the division was so fucking bad. But I just this game, this was the game, I think, where it was just like, well, this season's an absolute fucking complete disaster and nothing's going to save it. And we sadly gave motherfucking Tom Brady another chance. You know, there, there's a there's a couple of games that I could have went with. Um, this was was definitely one I was considering because for everything what Steve just mentioned, it, it was just awful that the Rams essentially had this game and then just absolutely fucking blew it. I 
it, it still baffles me to this day. Uh, another game I considered was the week one game because it pretty much was the start of all the injuries against the Bills. And uh, they were just humiliated as the first game of the season. Never fun. But I ultimately ended up with the Rams versus Saints game, which I'm actually surprised that Steve did not choose this one. But <laughs> that was that was a tough one, man. <laughs> I I had to go with this one because the Saints are so damn awful. And the fact that the Rams the the score suggests that it was much closer than it actually was. But man, it, it was just tough to see that the that I mean it's understandable that the Rams offense wasn't gonna really do much. But the fact that the Saints just basically, you know, did whatever the hell they wanted against the Rams' defense, who was supposed to be much better. And, yeah, it just it, – it was such a heartbreaking loss. And then to lose to the Saints on top of that, it was just like a slap to the face. Yeah, I think I was just like I was dead inside at that point. I think it's why <laughs> I went with Tampa Bay. And even, like, I was on my honeymoon during that game. I only saw the ending. But it's just – to watch them just lie down and die the way they did at the end of the game was something, like, I'll never forget. It was just one of the most pitiful and disgusting things I've ever seen. And I think, like, week 18 was brutal because we had a chance to not send Seattle to the playoffs and simultaneously send Jared Goff to the playoffs, and we failed. But they brought it in that game like this is a bad football team at this point in week 18 and they gave Seattle everything they fucking had uh in the Tampa Bay game they didn't give Tampa Bay anything they had um and in the the New Orleans game like I think Stafford got hurt that game it was just another offensive lineman I just read the recap of that game Ty Neshi got hurt and Bobby Evans came back in to to fill the spot for him uh (laughs) Point taken right yeah. there. <laughs> There's a lot more candidates for worst loss than there is for best win. Um, Best win, I think there's – well, I guess there's two candidates for best win, but I think it's clearly the Raiders. Yeah. Um, you could make a case for Christmas Day against Denver winning 51-14 to because that was truly a, a Christmas delight. But, I mean, that Raiders game was one of the most memorable Rams regular season games under Sean McVay, which is one of the most memorable wins, I should say, because I think the Tampa Bay game will be one of the most memorable games because of how fucking shitty it was, at least for me. But uh, just that that last couple of minutes with Baker Mayfield actually winning the game, everything that had to happen to get them the ball on that drive and keep the ball in their hands was so crazy. Um, and Baker on, on two days on the team, just doing that. Like we, we've said Holly, it's, it's, it's Hollywood right there. I mean, that was as Hollywood as it gets. That was fucking crazy. Um, and that was such an awesome game to watch. And one of our, our favorite post game podcasts, I think. Absolutely. I, I said, as soon as we knew that the ramp season was in the toilet, I, I said that if there was a game that the Rams were going to win, it had to be against the Raiders. I cannot stand Raider fans. And if you know a Raider fan, chances are 
you understand why I'm saying this. But, you know, the fact that it was perfect, this, this, this was when the Rams were going up against a really red-hot Raiders team. And I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I even turned down bet offers because I'm like, this is such a shitty Rams team. There's nobody playing. Everyone's injured. And then there's a possibility that the Rams are going to start Baker Mayfield, who just arrived to the team two days before the game. And really, realistically, it was like maybe a day's worth of practice if you put total it together. <laughs> it, it's insanity. I mean, like I said, the, the last time something like this happened was, oddly enough, Mark Bulger against the Raiders. So <laughs> I, I freaking loved every second of it. You know, the entire, t- the entire game, basically, I was just getting nonstop text messages from Raider fans only for them to just be silenced by Baker Mayfield was beyond, beyond the highlight of my uh, year for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, and I think I'm sure Raiders Talk Radio is saying the same thing about this game that I just said about the Tampa Bay game. It, it was just to end the Raiders season, basically, in this comically insane fashion, just Baker Mayfield going, what, 99 yards in 50 seconds, Ben Skoranek mossing people, uh, the the fade touchdown to Van Jefferson, the fact that the drive only continued because they sacked us and one of their players slapped the ball out of Baker's hands for no reason is just, God, it, it did it, it gave me joy bringing that much pain to Raiders fans. I agree. That was incredible. Absolutely. I, definitely, it was a season to forget, but this was the only thing to remember, in my opinion, other than maybe the Broncos game. But, I mean, it, it, it's the Broncos. The Broncos had such a horrible season um, that you, it doesn't really give me that much joy to see the the Rams beat the Broncos. They're not really rivals, if you ask me. No, but Russell Wilson's their quarterback. I guess, but I don't have anything against Russell. It actually kind of depressed me a little bit that Russell just had, like, such an awful year. Yeah, it's, I don't know, blowing them out like that when we were this bad. Um, I had a... This reminded me of a high school football game I had. Our team was 0-9 going into the final game. We were horrible. little private school. Uh, we were playing against another little private school that was also 0-9. Uh, and we were really excited because we were like, well, we both suck. We can get a win. And I think we lost by 40. And so this was the same energy. Like two bad teams gliding. You're like, well, they both, one of them can't be that much worse, right? And that was not true. They were much worse than us. <laughs> well, in the end, there was a winner, and uh, luckily it was the Rams. Woo. Yep. All righty. Well, we got a long off season, and this was a long podcast, so we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, be sure to check us out or follow us on Twitter, at C. Ribeiro, at Johnny5.6, at Talk Rams, and we will talk to you guys next week.
tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.